It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good evening, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I am your host, as always, Tony Defio. And I thank you for joining me on this lovely and crisp Friday evening in Steeler Nation in Pittsburgh, PA. And as I always say, I hope it's nice and lovely and not bad weather rise wherever you are in Steeler Nation. And before I continue with tonight's show, I would like to ask you to please like and subscribe to our Behind the Still Curtain YouTube channel. We bring you live shows each and every day and night, including this show. We have touched on under show earlier every uh, on Friday evenings with Maddie Peverall and Mark Davison. We have the Steelers preview every Thursday with, with Jeff Hartman, Dave Schofield, and Brian Anthony Davis. We have the hangover every Monday with Brian, Shannon White, and yours truly. We have post-game stuff after every Steelers game. Uh, if it's a regular uh, normal time, we have it Hosted by Jeff, Dave, and Brian. If it's a primetime affair, the boys over on the West Coast, Kyle Christ and Greg Benevit, do the uh, hosting honors. On Wednesdays, we have Know Your Enemy with Jeffrey Benedict, Benedict Shannon. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have We Run the North with Kevin Tate and his friends. And you can catch every live show also live on Facebook. So if you're watching me on Facebook right now, you know that. And of course, you can catch every live show after the fact. If you can't watch or listen live, you can catch it after the fact on any audio platform, anywhere where you can find podcasts, you can behind you can find behind Soul Curtains podcasting family. 
And we also have a whole host of audio only shows that we produce. And then we, we uh, add them to our podcasting lineup. And that includes Bad Language with Brian and uh, Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman. The War Room with Maddie. From the Cutting Room Floor with, with Jeffrey Benedict. We have The Steelers Fix with Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar. We have What Ian's Talking About with Kyle Kreiss and his friends. We have so many shows for you. It's, 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 it's a, a podcasting platform that has grown so much over the last couple of years. It's really impressive. It's one of the best out there. Certainly when it comes to Steelers content, it's hard to find anything better. And of course, check out Behind the Still Curtain, the website. We bring you news, commentary, film breakdown. Any any time there's there's anything Steelers related going on in the world, we're going to have it for you on the website. So please check it out. It's your one-stop shop for all of your Steelers needs. And let us check out the live chat on this Friday evening as I'm doing this show. And we have a a, a new person who was the first one in tonight, and that's uh, J, uh, DG's Steelers Nation. He gives us uh, lots of... Uh, Hearts, black and gold hearts, Steel Nation, Jared Devil, George Teston, Kyle Johnson, Sean Manahan's with us. I mean, Sean in a while, Claude Bishop, Kathy Ford, who says, Hi and bye. I hope to hear most, but work interfering with real life. I can certainly relate to that, Kathy, but I'm, I'm glad you could tune in. Just me is with us. Just me. Danny Owens is with us. We have a lot of great people in here tonight. Uh, James Bradshaw. Wow. What a what a crew we have here with us. Jesse Moreno. Who says, thank God it's Friday, but can't wait till game day. What's up, Tony? Wow, Jesse's really, really enthused. Perhaps one of the few who's enthused, who's energetic about the Steelers uh, at this moment. Let's talk about those Steelers. And... What can what can more? I can't talk tonight. What more can you say about last Sunday's thirty-eight to three loss to the Bills at Highmark Stadium in what's Orchard Park, New York? It was a massacre. It was a laugher from beginning to end. Third play of the game, ninety-eight yard touchdown from Josh Allen to Gabe Davis. Uh, that really set the tone, especially after it looked like the. Special teams had set the tone by forcing the Bills to start at their own two on the opening kickoff. And it was just a runaway from there. Um, the Bills are an impressive team. They really are. I think they're the best team in football. They went into the game 14-point favorites, and that was a bargain if you if you bet on the Bills minus the points. It was really a uh, an easy bet to make. And they're at least in the upper tier of the NFL, if not the best. And Pittsburgh, I think, after that game, it's safe to say, at this point anyway, they're one of the lower lower uh, tier teams in the NFL. They're one of the low, uh, worst teams in the NFL. They're in that lower tier. They're not a very good football team. They have problems, and they are many. Uh, it's on both sides of the ball. Obviously, injuries are, are, are part of it. But also, it's just a overall lack of talent, especially when you compare them to 
the truly elite teams in the league right now, including Buffalo um, and teams like that. You know, the, the Cowboys, the Eagles, uh, the Chiefs. I mean, even the Ravens and the Bengals and even the Browns probably outclass them in terms of talent. They just, it's just, that's just how it is. There's no other way to say it. I mean, we can, we can sit here and pretend and say the usual stuff that fans like to say, you know, they have just as much talent as anybody in the league, but, but they don't, they don't. Uh, I think they've been struggling for so long now. I think if they had that kind of talent, it would have shown itself by now. They're just, they're struggling. And let's be real. They, they've been kind of keeping this uh, kind of, uh, they've been keeping this at bay for a while now. This, this period in in their, in their uh, history, as far as uh, being a a laughingstock, a a lower echelon team. You know, I I mean, it very easily could have began in 2019 when they, when they, Lost Ben Roethlisberger uh, in the second game for the season with an elbow injury, and that came on the heels of the 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 ugly divorce with Antonio Brown that off season, and that was preceded by the 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 the, the divorce with uh, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, it effectively ended the Killer B era, uh, the essence of that team that made it a, a contender in the mid 2010s. Uh, but they they surprisingly survived that year in terms of uh, being a laughing stock. Anyway, they went out and traded for Mika Fitzpatrick. Uh, just when it looked like, like like they were headed for a four or five win season, they traded for Fitzpatrick. He he made the defense elite, and they went on to win eight games. And they were rating five at one point and, and and had an inside track at a playoff berth before the wheels fell off with. Uh, Mason Rudolph and Devlin Duck Hodges at quarterback. So uh, 2019 could have been that year, but they, they kept it at bay. They, they fended that off. You know, they're, they're always looking to contend. They're always looking to stay relevant. And they, and they managed to do, to do that that year, perhaps against all odds, you know, in 2020, they, they, uh, you know, Roethlisberger came back after the elbow injury. And there were a lot of experts who questioned that and, Wonder out loud if it was a good idea to bring him back. Why not just move on? Uh, and you know they they started out eleven and zero, but it kind of looked like they were doing with with uh, smoke and mirrors. Um, and things. I apologize, but anyway, uh, they, they were for my technical difficulties, but they were, uh, they were struggling, uh, with injuries on defense by the end of that 2020 season. And, uh, the league had caught up to the offense and they were, they were, uh, in salary cap hell in the 2021 off season. 
and they decided to bring Ben Roethlisberger back. Uh, they moved on from people like Steven Nelson for uh, salary cap reasons, but they brought Ben back because really it wasn't going to help them much to, to, to have him retire or to cut him, I should say. It wasn't going to save that much money. They, re- they reworked the deal. They, they took, he took a pay cut, and he was really their best option, it would appear, at that time. And again, the experts questioned whether that was the right move. And really, when you looked at how they played in 2021, it wasn't a good product. They, they did not have a good product. The defense, despite having TJ Watt and him having a uh, defensive player of the year season, 22 and a half sacks, uh, it wasn't a great defense. They, they, they suffered uh, with injuries. Um, Tyson Alualu and Tuit was out all year. And they were horrible against the run. And it was, and the offense was just pathetic all year. And, and if not for Ben Roethlisberger, somehow, some way, uh, finding a way to to really play poor football for three quarters, and then uh, turn it on the fourth and, and bring them back from behind six times in the fourth quarter uh, in 2021, they they probably would have finished below 500. But they they somehow made the playoffs. Uh, and then, of course, Ben retired, and you, you kind of see the handwriting on the wall with what this team would be in 2022, based on last year, with how the offense performed, with how the defense was performing, with the overall uh, age of the of the roster. They had one of the, the youngest rosters in the league. They had totally um, overhauled their line from the year before, um, and they and it still needed more work, obviously based on the results from 2021. So you can kind of see uh, where things were headed this year. You know, people were optimistic, of course, about the defense especially. But, you know, without Watt, with, with Watt getting hurt in week one, and with uh, so many other deficiencies on that defense, including on the line and then the secondary and inside linebacker, um, without Watt in there, the, the defense has just been – it's been not even average. It's been one of the worst in the league, you know, and Sean Manahan donate, donates uh, $2. And he asks, speaking of the defense, speaking of the secondary, how to win with top four DBs out. That's a good question that I'll address later, but it doesn't look good. In case you missed it on Friday, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, Calvo Witherspoon, Cameron Sutton and Levi Wallace have all been ruled out. That's four of the five starters in the secondary. They've all been ruled out for Sunday's game against Tampa Bay, against Tom Brady, the GOAT, and that's not good. So I'll address that more later. Thank you for the $2, Sean. Um, But that sort of piles on to my point here is, is... Things are bad right now, and they are clearly, at this moment, one of the worst teams in football, maybe the worst team in the NFL so far in 2022. You know, they, they, they were lucky to win week one. Yeah, they were all, the, the games were close the, the, the next three weeks, and they probably could have, they certainly could have won any one of those games, maybe all three of them, but they didn't. And then last week, they went up against a true juggernaut, and they just got their doors blown off. They were outclassed in every which way, physically. Mentally, emotionally, coaching, everything, they were out, They were just outclassed because that's just who Buffalo is right now, and that's just who they are right now as a team, as an organization. So 
you know, if you think back, think back to some of the worst teams that you can remember in recent history, you know, the 2016, 2017 Browns, the Lions, the Jaguars, uh, you name, you name a bad team in recent years, you name a bad team at any point in, in your memory of watching the NFL. Was that team one answer or one move away from turning things around? In the vast majority of cases, no. You know, that's been, you know, people have been racking their brains this week in the last couple of weeks trying to figure out what can they do to turn it around. At this point, it doesn't look like there's much they can do. You know, to repeat, they've kind of, uh, kept this kind of stuff at bay the last few years. It looked like they were, they were, on, they were scheduled to have this kind of a drop off after 2018 with the loss of Brown and Ben, but they just refused to, to let that happen. And they, and they bought themselves some time the last few years through uh, again, through acquisitions like Fitzpatrick and bringing Ben back and him having some magic left in his armor. Of course, TJ Watt being, you know, a defensive player of the year candidate, every year plus winning it last year they were able to to keep that kind of stuff away for a while but you know this happens to every team in the nfl at some point everybody goes through it i'd say it happens to every team on average every decade or so if you if you look back to the early 2010s after that super bowl cycle three out of six years that defense got old uh they all started to to take it to retire or be released. And, uh, you know, you, you could kind of see it in 2011, right after the last Super Bowl appearance. I mean, they weren't, the defense wasn't taking the football away. It wasn't getting after the quarterback. It looked like the opposing uh, teams had kind of figured out the uh, zone blitz that Dick LeBeau made legendary. And yeah, they finished 12 and four, but they were probably more of a nine and seven team that kind of uh, got lucky and won some games based on who the opposing quarterbacks were or, or just what, just plain old luck. Right. And then the following year, 2012, you know, they started out six and three and it looked like it was going to be status quo, but you know, something fell off with that team um, all, th- all throughout the first nine games. It wasn't exactly dominant. Again, the defense wasn't dynamic. It wasn't opportunistic. It was still pretty stout, still good against the run but it couldn't get after the quarterback. It couldn't take the football away. And Roethlisberger got hurt. He suffered that SC joint sprain on that Monday night game against the Chiefs that, you know, they won the go to six and three. And without Ben for a few weeks and then with him, the struggles continued down the stretch and they wound up losing five out of seven. Uh, that off season was just like 2021. It was salary cap hell. I mean, it was, it was probably worse. I mean, they had no money to, to spend on really anything. They had to cut James Harrison because he wouldn't take a pay cut. And um, they followed up that that, that two and five finish to, to, to finish out uh, 2012 when they missed the playoffs at eight and eight. They started out 0 and four and two and six to start 2013. And it wasn't a surprise to anybody. You know, people based on their roster composition, the experts were predicting a down year for them. And on top of that, in uh, that week one, a week one loss to the uh, Titans, an ugly, just lackluster loss to the Titans at Heinz Field. Um, they lost Pouncey. They lost Larry Foote. Uh, 
they lost the running back whose name I always forget, a former uh, Pitt Panthers running back who they brought in to be a kind of a three uh, third down specialist for them. Somebody they wanted to make a focal point in their offense. Uh, they lost him, and it was it was they didn't really have depth or anything, and it was ugly. And uh, you know the the two and five finished to to to, to uh, twenty twelve and a two and six start to twenty thirteen meant that they lost. Over the, over the over parts of two seasons, they lost 11 out of 15 games. So basically, over the course of, of one full season of, of action, they were a four-win football team. And, uh, you know, it wasn't as noticeable maybe as it would be during a full season, but certainly it was ugly, and fans were, were restless, and the media was on Mike Tomlin, and the media was on the organization – and one wondered if they would ever turn things around. They did turn things around a bit at the end of that year. They won six out of eight to close out the year, and they almost made the playoffs. They should have made the playoffs, if not for Ryan Suckup. And, you know, they, they, they did find some things out throughout the course of that year. They discovered that, that Antonio Brown was a superstar receiver. They discovered that they could rely on Le'Veon Bell as a workhorse running back. He was a, a rookie that year, second-round pick out of Michigan State. He missed the first few weeks with a Liz Frank injury. But he was a uh, he became a workhorse by the end of the year. He became a, quote-unquote, no pun intended, Bell Cow running back. So they, so they learned that about him. And, you know, the, the line through most of that, the line that had been such a problem for them for close to a half a decade, was still a major problem for them in 2013, despite having Pouncey and, and, and DeCastro, who was the first round pick in 2012, and, and and Ramon Foster as a mainstay at left guard. It was still a problem for them until near the end of the 2013 season when they, they decided to put Calvin Beecham in at left tackle. He was a seventh round pick in 2010, and he was a really good find for them and a diamond in the rough, and he kind of stabilized that offensive line. So they went into 2014 um, with some hope, and they had more They had more uh, salary cap space that offseason. They signed guys like Mike Mitchell or Garrett Blunt to be a, a, a backup to, to Bell. But even that 2014 season early on looked like more of the same. They, they struggled, especially on defense. They had no, no answers on defense. Uh, the secondary was in shambles. They couldn't get after quarterback still. They couldn't take the football away. Uh, Jarvis Jones was was uh, in the second year, and he really wasn't doing much of anything at outside linebacker. And uh, I remember I was over at my uncle's house uh, to watch the the, the, uh, the second Brown-Steelers game. It was still his first half of the year, and they were like 500 or something. And the, and the Browns almost beat them in week one at Heinz Field. They, they, they came in here. They – Pittsburgh got out to a 27-3 lead, and the Browns like stormed back in the fourth quarter and scored 24 unanswered points. And Pittsburgh managed to win on a last-second field goal by Sean Sweesom. But in this match, in this rematch, you know, I went over to my uncle's to watch the game. I took a six-pack with me, and we were just going to watch the game and watch them beat the Browns, right? But the Browns blew their doors off. And, you know, again, it was a struggle that first half of the year. And my uncle and I, we were planning a trip to Cincinnati to see them play the Bengals later. I think it was that November and it would be a bunch of us, you know, a lot of, a lot of friends and the two of us. And uh, we're sitting there drinking a the beer, barely paying attention in this game. It was like a three or four touchdown blowout. And we're, we're like predicting 
what their record would be by the time we, we, we drove to Cincinnati for that game in November and neither prediction was good. We, you know, maybe they had three or four wins by the time we went to Cincy uh, late in the season, but then somehow, some way they, they got it together. They, they, they found the formula and, the, and that rut that they were in that started at the end of at midway through 2012, they climbed out of it by midway, the midway point of the 2014 season. They won 11 games in the division and then they went on and made the playoffs four years in a row. So, you know, that was a period where things were ugly, but not as ugly as it looked like they were going to be because uh, the, the team stayed together and, and they managed to, f- to figure some things out halfway through the what could have been a really, really ugly 2013 season. And if you go back further, the late 90s were pretty darn ugly around here. And I, I've mentioned this before. You know, they had that six-year run of playoff success under Bill Cowher, and, but they just kept leaving free agents leave every offseason. They just kept letting free – they wouldn't sign their own, their own guys back then. They just didn't do that. They weren't – they were still at Three River Stadium. They didn't have the revenue streams that they do now. And they didn't really believe in signing free agents. They believed in letting those guys go and, and, and replacing them with draft picks. And it worked for a while there in the 90s, but it finally caught up to them. And 98 was kind of like 2012. Things started out pretty good, you know, but there was something off uh, with that team. And you can kind of sense it. And after starting out seven and four, they lost their last five games. The next year, they were six and 10. In 2000, they started off 0 and 3. So during a a span of 24 games from late in uh, 98 through early 2000, they lost 18 out of 24 games. That was a bad stretch. And much like the early 2010s and a lot like now, people were in denial. They're like, oh, this team has much, as much talent as anybody, but they really didn't. It was pretty obvious. And looking back on it, it was, it was, it was quite easy to, to see. And, um, you know, things were ugly. I think the way things are, are, are now with the fans on, and with social media, everybody's just hysterical. And that's kind of how the late 90s were. And to me, that was the ugliest time I've ever seen in Steeler history since I've been following them. And I think we're kind of reaching that point right now. And they want to cower fired. As I said before, they were just ridiculous and, 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 and hurtful rumors about Stewart and even cower the rumors about his marriage. People just, they go nuts over a football team and they just say the most ridiculous and, uh, cruel things. And, uh, you know, I found an article the other day written by uh, Ron Cook of the Post-Gazette at the, in the 2001 offseason. This was after they decided to give Cower an extension after missing the playoffs three straight years because they missed the playoffs again in 2000 after, uh, even though they rebounded after, uh, from that 0-3 start. And, you know, his sentiment was, why are they doing this? They need to, they need to wait and see. I don't, I'm not sure if Cower is the right guy to, to – to, to move into the future with this team. I, I think he's the time has passed him by in Pittsburgh, et cetera, et cetera. And of course we know what happened after that. So things were pretty ugly back then and they were able to turn it around and things are ugly right now. And who knows how um, things are going to unfold with 12 games left in this season at one and four. And they have Tom Brady and the Buccaneers coming to town and, you know, Brady, his own Pittsburgh, all throughout his career, we know this. 
12 and three all the time. Never lost to them at home. Three and zero in the playoffs. And you know he's still around at the age of 45. He's with the Buccaneers now instead of the uh, the, the the Patriots. And here's a guy who's had 34 touchdowns to only five interceptions against Pittsburgh throughout his career. And this man gets to face the Steelers already questionable defense without four of its five starting defensive backs without Micah Fitzpatrick right now, without TJ Watt, its best defensive player without uh, its three stop uh, top uh, corners in, in, in uh, Witherspoon, Wallace and, and Sutton. The, the Marvin Lee Al is going to be out. He's looked like a promising rookie uh, defensive lineman so far, a versatile player, an athletic guy that you can move that they've been moving around, playing him on the edge, playing him everywhere on the line. He's out, surprisingly. Nobody knew he was hurt. Now he's out for Sunday's game. So you got the GOAT facing the Steelers' decimated defense. They're 10 point underdogs at home, they're one and four. Things could get much, much worse before they get better. And right now, things are pretty darn bad. So, you know, what do you do if they're them right now? What what are the answers? And to me, I think the only thing you can do is, if you're them, is put your head down and keep moving forward. You got to identify what's working for you right now, which isn't much. But you got to identify what you think your future is. And right now, it looks like it could be Kenny Pickett, a quarterback. The one thing they have going for him right now, in my opinion, is that Kenny Pickett is an unknown entity for them. But he's a promising unknown entity. And you don't know what what he can provide for you if he reaches his full potential. He's looked promising. Uh, He looked good coming in uh, in the second half against the Jets. He looked okay last week. He probably deserved a better fate, if not for some drops and some and a lack of penalties by the you know by the officials. He might have had a better game, but he looks good. He looks you know I'm not saying you know he doesn't look like a rookie. He does look like a rookie, but he looks like a a more polished rookie than, than, than lots of rookie quarterbacks. You know, uh, Tony Romo mentioned it during last week's broadcast. They were watching um, him and Jim Nance were watching uh, Pickett's debut against the Jets a week earlier in preparation for that game. And, you know, he was saying like, man, he's really ahead of schedule. Some of the things he's doing, a, a guy with who, who has such little experience shouldn't be able to do that, a quarterback. So there is hope with him and there's hope with George Pickens. Um, so to me, that's, that's, that's what the, the remainder of 2022 is all about. It's, it's about nurturing Kenny Pickett, developing him, uh, letting him go out there and, 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 and grow as a quarterback because the faster he can reach his full potential, if his potential is first round worthy, then you're going to be in good shape. You know, as far as, as what they can do to turn this around, I, I don't know. I don't think there's a whole lot they can do at this point to repeat myself. You know, you're talking about a defense that, that has three sacks in four games without Watt. And you're talking about, you know, as far as this Sunday is concerned, they're going up against a quarterback of Tom Brady, who I heard the stat on the radio today, he gets rid of the football in 2.4 seconds. You know, we, we know this. We've watched him for 20-some years. We know how quickly the guy gets rid of the ball. He's hard to, he's hard to, uh, to, to, to rush. He's hard to, you know, to, to 
to get to. He gets rid of the ball so fast. You know, he doesn't really sit back in the pocket per se. It's three-step drop, five-step drop, boom, the ball's gone. He's just he's just the best. So you, you have that going against you. Plus you have a total lack of of uh starting players in the secondary, essentially. So, you know, the Buccaneers, they have not looked that impressive this year, you know, but Brady still has, um, he still completed what, like 70% of his passes, you know, he's still pretty darn, the passing game for the Buccaneers has been pretty good. They haven't been able to run the ball that well, but they passed the ball pretty well. They haven't scored a lot which is surprising. Uh, basically, they've been carried by their defense. But again, when you're missing so much talent when you, or so much uh, starting caliber players on the, on one side of the ball, you, it, it, it's, it's like a game at this point. You got guys like Josh Jackson back there who's going to be probably starting for them. James Pierre, who struggled mightily last year. You know, Tr- uh, Trey Norwood, who you know, looks like a promising young player, but he certainly made his mistakes last week, especially on that 98-yard touchdown to Gabe Davis. And regardless of what you think of him, he's st- certainly no Mika Fitzpatrick as far as a, a, a strong sa- or a, a, um, free safety. So, yikes. You know, I mean, this is this is this this could get ugly, really ugly. I mean, uglier than it was last week. So, again, you know. In my opinion, there's no shame in it, though, what they're going through right now as a team. Because what they're going through, every team goes through it at some point. Uh, the really good organizations, they they have, they have a way of avoiding this kind of a, a thing for as long as, uh, for, for you know, longer than other teams. You know, Pittsburgh, it's going on 20 years without a losing season. You know, the Patriots, those kind of teams. But eventually it catches up to everybody. And... Um, but the great news is, you know, sometimes teams find themselves uh, before people are, um, are ready for it, like like they did in 2014. I don't think anybody was ready for them to to uh, suddenly win 11 games that year, and and based on how the first half of the season went, and they and they managed to do that. So I'm not saying that's going to happen this year. I doubt it. I think it's going to be an ugly year for them, but you know, I'm still excited about watching Kenny Pickett. George Pickens, uh, him developing chemistry with with, with his uh, receivers with Pat Fryermuth, who's going to be out on Sunday too with a with a concussion. So, you know, uh, I'm excited to see about the, the continued development of Najee Harris. Um, he reportedly had was running with a a, a a steel toe in his shoe this season to 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 uh, help him with that foot injury he suffered in training camp and and he's going to be running without that for the first time this year. So maybe that'll make a difference for him. You know, maybe they'll utilize Jalen Warren more um, and, and, and kind of get him uh, in the, in the offensive mix more because he looks like a promising young player, even though he's an undrafted free agent. So that's to me, that's what I'm going to be looking at over these next um, 12 games. Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, individual players, I haven't given up on the season in terms of, of, of them, you know, putting together some wins, but right now it doesn't look very promising, you know, so it is what it is.
and uh you know you know there, there's you know people want people want to want to throw out blame they want to they want wholesale changes they want changes in the front office they want changes on the coaching staff but you know when you try for so long to stay relevant well also drafting in the, in the, in the 20s maybe the upper teens if you're lucky you know eventually you know you're gonna have to pay the piper and this might be the season where they have to pay that piper and uh you know suffer through a pretty pretty bleak campaign but the great thing about the nfl and i'll, I'll touch on more of this later is 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 there's a system in place where they can they can get better uh, rather quickly if they if they make all, if they make enough of the right moves so that's all I had to say about that. I have one more thing I want to talk about. And today, Friday, October 14th, is the 30th anniversary of the worst sports moment of my life when the Pirates lost the 1992 NLCS to the Braves. Francisco Cabrera, the uh, two out hit in the bottom of the ninth inning. Pirates were up two to one. They went into the ninth inning up two nothing. They're up two to one with the bases loaded. And Cabrera has that hit. Former Pirate Sid Bream scores the winning run. And I was in tears. And the I, I said out loud to anybody who could hear me, they're never going to win again. And so far, I've been right 30 years. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because I want to thank the NFL for having the system that it has. And having the vision it had back in the 60s to make sure every team, regardless of, of what market it was in, had an equal chance to be good, you know. And and we see that every year with teams like the Steelers and, 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 and the Packers are, are two of the marquee franchises year in and year out. And, uh, you know, you saw the Bengals going to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, Buffalo's now a juggernaut. You know, these kind of things don't happen in baseball. They just don't, you know, because they, they, they have a system in place where small market teams can't compete with big market teams equally. You know, they might have some good years every now and then, but by and large, it's an unequal playing field. And I just want to thank the NFL for caring about all of its fans, not just a certain segment of its uh, fan base. And yes, I know it's doing it for financial reasons it's doing it because it's it's the best model to make them the most money but still we benefit as fans and you know yes the pirates have you know they've, they've been rather incompetent over the last 30 years but they've also been up against it as far as the system and it's sometimes it's hard to tell uh if a team's just incompetent or if it's just it just can't do anything because it, it, it it's it, it's a rigs it's a rigged system well, the NFL, uh, again, and, and, and other other sport, the other sports, uh, major sports in the country, the NBA and the NHL, they followed suit, and they're doing well too. And all their teams have have equal chances to to win championships. Baseball is the only one that just won't do it because it doesn't have to do it because uh, they're they're making they're raking in the money, and they're kind of paying off the small market owners by. Uh, 
allowing them to remain super profitable despite not winning and rarely making the playoffs. So thank you, NFL. And because you have the system you do, if Pittsburgh makes enough of the right moves, it'll be back on top in no time. So those are all the thoughts I had for tonight. And I will, again, I want to apologize for, for my uh, technical difficulties earlier, but let's see what we have to round out the show. This is from Evgeny Crosby, who says, the only good thing to come out of this season will be the respect Roethlisberger will get from the Fairweather fans. That's a uh, that's a good point. I mean, I think I think we're we're seeing that now. You know, as much as Roethlisberger uh, struggled down the stretch of his career, the last two or three years, especially with his you know with, with his uh, mobility, and you know he certainly lost uh, the 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 uh, arm strength that he had in his prime. He he found he found a way last year to win six or seven games in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think a lot of it was, was through the mystique and the respect that other teams had for him. But it was also, he's just, he just ha- had that it factor. The kind of it factor you hope that Kenny Pickett has. And this one, another one from Evgeny Crosby, who says, never having a, a sorry, here we go. I went too fast. There we go. Never having a losing season in his career, his first year gone, and his team is going to win four, maybe five games. That's the way it looks right now, anyway. That's a follow-up to his earlier comment about Roethlisberger. And it's true. It's true. And this one from Sean Manahan, who says, who asks, is there anything we can hope for as fans? Yeah. Like I said earlier, when in my monologue, so to speak, it's, you, you gotta, you gotta root for Kenny Pickett because, and it's not just because like, oh, he's, he's, you know, I think he's a great guy. And I think, you know, he, he's a great story, but you know, as far as like, if you're just speaking purely business, if Kenny Pickett's your real deal, that's 90% of it. That's just about everything else will take care of itself. Despite what you think about Pittsburgh right now, it's an organization and, and it definitely deserves its criticism from the ownership all the way down to Tomlin and, and the coaching staff and the players. Um, it's a pretty stable organization. It's a pretty, it's a well-run organization. And if they find themselves another franchise quarterback right after Ben retires, they're going to know what to do with him. So that's what you hope for as a fan this season is Kenny Pickett um, developing and, 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 and developing faster than, than your typical uh, young quarterback does. And who knows, maybe he can, he can find some magic and, and, and bring them back and help them win more games this year than we think. But that's what you root for. You root for Kenny Pickett. Because he's the future. Quarterback is so important in the NFL. And if you have that guy, that guy does so much heavy lifting for your organization. We saw it with with Roethlisberger for so many years. We see it with every team that has a guy like that. We see it with Green Bay. We see it with uh, you know the, the Buccaneers. They had they had a great team. They had a great roster, but they could never really do much. And all of a sudden, they get Tom Brady. And boom, they're they're an instant instant contender, and they win the Super Bowl their first year with him. So, you just that 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 guy makes so much of a difference. Joe Burrow in Cincinnati is another example. Lamar Jackson, he saved he saved uh, John Harbaugh's job in 2018. He was, probably was going to get fired that year, and and you know he had to put Jackson in because he had no other choice midway through that year. 
and Jackson takes them to a division title next year. He's the MVP of the league. So you you hope for Kenny Pickett to to develop. And of course, you, you know, you hope for TJ Watt to come back as soon as possible, although it doesn't look like it's going to be until the after the bye, especially after after word came out that he had arthroscopic surgery on a knee injury he suffered in the preseason. So that's probably going to delay his return for a week or so. George Teston says no pass rush. Speaking of the, that's, that's, that's what I mean. I mean, I don't care. Like I said on Monday, if you have neon Dion back there and Rob Woodson and Mel Blunt, if, if you can't get after the, the, the quarterback and they haven't been able to uh, in the four weeks that Watt has been out, you're, I don't care who, does, who, the, who you have in, in the secondary, eventually they're going to be exposed. Eventually they're going to break down because it's just impossible to, uh, to uh, recover or recover receivers all day long when the quarterback is just sitting back there in the pocket, play after play after play. Evgeny Crosby says no TJ Watt, no chance. That's it's been that way so far. And this is from Evgeny again, who's been very vocal tonight. This is not major league baseball, man. You could turn things around quickly in the NFL. All I hear are excuses. Evgeny, there are good teams in the NFL and there are bad teams in the NFL. You might be able to turn things around from year to year, but Sometimes in, in, in the year that you're in, you just have a bad team. And that's all there is to it. And, and the Steelers aren't immune to that. I, I love the, the Sam White quote each and every every year I quote it. When you watch film of, of, of every team before the season, you can tell the handful of teams are going to win 13, 14 games. And the handful, they're going to lose that many. And no matter what that team that, that, that um, has that kind of talent, as far as the 13, 14 lost team, there's very little that that team can do over the course of that year to uh, to turn things around. It, just, it is what it is. And the Steelers look like that kind of team right now. They're still trying to figure things out in the trenches, which is such such a big part of, of, of the NFL. You know, um, it's 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 they still need to make some um, some changes. They still need to bring in more talent. They still need to uh, to uh, figure some things out. They still need to find an identity on offense. But again, if uh, if Kenny Pickett develops into a, a really good to great quarterback, most everything else will take care of itself. And you will see a quick turnaround, provided they make enough of the right moves to supplement Kenny Pickett. We saw it two years ago. Who would have thought two years ago that the Bengals would, would make the Super Bowl in 2021? I mean, they were a laughing stock, stock even before – um, Joe Burrow got hurt and was out for the rest of the year with, it, with a knee injury. They weren't very good. And then all of a sudden, uh, last year, they looked like they were absolutely loaded as far as their roster was concerned. And they were one drive away from winning the Super Bowl. So it can turn around quickly. But when you got a bad team, it probably can't turn around for you in, in one season. And Scott Lake says they better pull their. There's another one. Like people just they, they think it's like it's like psychological and it's emotional and it's mental, but sometimes it just comes down to town. And Scott says they better pull their heads out if they want to save the season. There might not be any saving of the season. They just might not have the talent necessary to save the season. Uh, let's see what else we have here. 
Scott Lake says next man up. That's a nice thing to say, but when you're when you're talking about guys like Josh Jackson and James Pierre, they're just men. They're probably not capable of being next man up. They're just men who are enlisted uh, with taking the place of better starters, and they just don't have it in them to be equally as good. You know, if Mika Fitzpatrick could be replaced by quote unquote next man up, then Pittsburgh never would have paid him what 18 million a year, whatever it was, uh, made him the highest paid safety in the league. Those are just nice slogans to say, but they really don't mean much. They just don't. All right. Mike C says, look at the bright side. First pick in the first round doesn't look too bad. And with maybe new head coach, well, they're not going to fire Mike Tomlin. Uh, trust me, that's not going to happen. Not after one season. I think Mike Tomlin would need two or three really bad years to get fired. And people think, oh, he's a coach for life. Well, I think they're always going to stick with their guy as long as their guy keeps them relevant. And they really haven't had a, a, a prolonged stretch where they've been irrelevant since probably the mid to late 80s with Chuck Knoll. Even Cower, even though he had a few bad years there in the late 90s, he still had, he still had them turning things around by 2000, even though they didn't make the playoffs. They finished nine and seven. Uh, uh, Tom and back in the early 2010s, things were pretty bleak in 2013, but he managed to, to, to turn them, to pull them out of that rut. They, re, they rebuilt the offense. Uh, they found Ryan Shazier and they became a contender again for a few years. Uh, so they've never really had a prolonged stretch of, of horrific play. Not since, you know, the, you know, really not even since Noel mid eighties, but since before Noel in the late sixties, if they have two or three bad years, it might be time to move on from, from uh, Tomlin, but they're not going to move on from them from this after this year, not unless he decides to resign for some reason. But uh, you know, I, I, people keep saying that, but it's, it's just not going to happen. And it's not because like, you know, I think he's the perfect coach. I just know it's not about what, what, we think they're going to do. It's about uh, what they're actually going to do. And they're not going to fire Tom. It's just, that's just, so why people keep bringing it up? I don't know because it's, 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 it's wasted energy. Anyway, here's another one from Sean Manahan, another $2. I, I missed earlier. And I thank you, Sean. And he says, I remember the fire coward days. Thank you, Sean. And thank you for the two bucks again. Those were very prevalent and uh, 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 days there. It was a pretty real thing. Uh, and, and fans were pretty darn critical of, of Bill Cowher, the guy that who did, they just can't um, shower with more accolades today. And, and, and to Mike Tomlin's detriment, um, talking about constantly talking like the, the laziest argument in, in sports, I think is, Oh, he won with Cowher's players. You know, Cowher couldn't even win with, with, with his own players in, in 2006. He only won once with his own players in 14, 15 years as the head coach. This guy faced a ton of scrutiny up until the very moment he won the Super Bowl, and then he was a god. People forget that because they don't want to remember it. That's really what it is. But thank you for, for reminding us all again, Sean. There were fire cower days, and they were very real, real, and things were very ugly around here in the late 90s. So ugly, I consider it, again, to be the worst time I can remember as a fan. Fans just went off the rocker. 
you know, cops were spreading apparently vicious rumors about Stewart. It was the one of the dumbest times I've ever experienced as a fan. And, you know, it just goes to show you like where people's priorities are, that they're going to get that deep into a team that they would say things like this and act like this. And it's just, it's just it doesn't say much for human nature, but you know, my, the point is things got better. Just like, just like they're probably going to get better with Mike Tomlin. But of course, a lot of that's going to have to do have to, it's going to depend on Kenny Pickett's development. So, all right. I think on that note, I'm going to call it a night. I've been, I've been, really rambling on here. Uh, it was fun talking to you guys tonight. And, uh, you know, there's there's still 12 games left and anything can happen, right? I mean, like I said the other day or earlier in the show, you know, you have Kenny Pickett. He's the one that, uh, unknown you have right now. And, and he's the one thing that if you're counting on something to, to embrace as a fan, embrace him because – Again, the quarterback makes all the difference, and Kenny Pickett could ultimately make all the difference for the Pittsburgh Steelers and and end their struggles a lot faster than we think. But until I see you again on Monday. And go Steelers. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.